0: No
1: Hope, the podcast. This is like us going to see porkies. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, humans, and others, welcome back to No Hope, the podcast where you can listen to us ramble on about
0: ramble. a lot of bullshit. Ramble
1: is the right word. I love in the last episode that I literally
0: did not know how to pronounce any word. Just any word. Um.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, think we, I think we can't record these in the evening after work when my brain is like just Atrophied.
1: It, it is a different experience to record them in the <laughs> evening as, than than on like a, a weekend totally, or when I'm like, like when we spoke to Shanna at the beginning of the day. I'm
0: fresh as a daisy in the morning. I'm you a, love it. It's awful. I have, a
1: it's not, my, uh, I have a
0: not so fresh feeling by the evening, but uh, but I'm, I'm yeah. soldiering through here, soldiering um, through,
1: and we're gonna soldier through one more time just for you couple of people who are listening we thank you for joining <laughs> us to talk about musical theater to talk about theater to talk about um things we pretend to know and things we don't know at all there's so many of them um and sometimes things that we do know
0: ever oh, this is a random a ever, random question so. that
1: I keep forgetting to okay. ask you would you mind terribly picking up uh, our mail for a few weeks
0: wait what <laughs> You're asking me during the podcast if I can pick up your mail. I mean, well, I'm hoping. Sure. I'm hope- I, I mean, mean the-
1: you, you go for walks
0: and stuff, right? Yeah, of so course. Be, no, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't. I don't mind. I just don't know. If this is the best use of our listeners' time. Well, <laughs> I,
1: I, I literally. Forgot to ask you in the two conversations that we had without recording, and I thought we're going to end up hanging up, and then I'm not going to have oh asked you. God.
0: Strike while well, iron's hot. So, well, uh, things have grit. things have
1: devolved. Was, was there
0: anything grit. else that we needed to there,
1: rewind about? Rewind. There was. A, I, I'm well. I'm curious. After the last episode, this is. I almost brought it up, and I thought, well, mm-hmm. you know, let's have it as a separate little moment of a discussion because I have been having like a. I don't know, sort of tumultuous reaction to the Sunday in the park discussion. And I, and, I, and I realized that I think some of that is because I didn't necessarily say what I mm. wanted to say, but I don't even know if I knew I wanted to say it at the time. But it's so interesting in relationship to the musical that you just talked about that you just liked, mm-hmm. the uh, Natasha and um, The Great Comet, is about this this sort of you know pretension, hmm. and I feel like even though I liked Sunday in the park and I appreciated it and there, and I admired many things about it um I think that was the thing that I didn't say, and that is you think it's pretentious it's all just so fucking pretentious, it's like. Art isn't easy, of course, you know, neither is plumbing. Hmm. Neither is lots of things. Like what makes I, I guess that's what strikes me about that musical that and it kind of like I said, it, it took me several days to realize why I had this sort of like beef about it and, and, and about the discussion, because I like I said, I did enjoy the musical. Um, and so I'm curious about your your thoughts, like what made Pierre pretentious and Sunday in the park not pretentious um
0: two things one i think one was incredibly well executed and like cohesive and like like a full statement a full thesis whereas one is just like haphazard and scattered um so that i think just like the execution of it um
1: and then so a musical has to have a thesis to not be pretentious or it no. has to have it just there was the I feel like with
0: Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 I feel like there was just like nothing to hang your hat on um, and then the other the other thing is it felt personal to me based on where this show sits in the landscape of all of Sondheim's work. And, you know, I talked a little bit about how this was like after he got burned on the Merrily experience. And so it felt, it didn't feel pretentious to me. It actually felt like more personal to me than a lot of his work. Um,
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, I, I could, I can get why you would say that. Um, I I mean, okay. I, I, I I accept that, but um, it was not, it is just not my experience of it, nor like, do I think it was the, int- I mean, not that anybody's intention is to be pre- pre- pretentious, but uh, well, it, it's more of a thing that just happens. I think but. we might know a person or two that that's not I mean, necessarily I don't think you can be, like, knowingly pretentious,
1: can you? Um... I think you could be knowingly pretentious. I think you can be, like, you know, if you're like, this is a... I mean, people who say things like, you know, are you A-listers? I mean, that's knowingly pretentious, right? I suppose. I just feel
0: like pretentious is, like, you know, something you put upon someone
1: else who is not self-aware that they're being that way. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I'm not arguing with that, that that is a truth, but I feel like, and I think maybe that's what the second act is to me in, in Sunday in the park is it is, there is, yes, you're right. It's cohesive it there there is a leap that makes sense uh, intellectually but I, I do think that that is part of why i had such a negative mm. reaction to it is because it feels pretentious but
0: so that would explain um, your your stony silence during that episode i <laughs>
1: <laughs> i know when well, i listened I was to like, it i was like
0: god i am not saying very well, much I was, like, I was trying to bring it all back to like our work and my like, brain it, it was like nope nope you were just trying to yeah. trying to think of how you felt about which is fair enough. I think it's,
1: it's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes you don't actually know how you feel about something mm-hmm. until much, much, much you later. So ruminate a bit on it. Do you think that that is true? I mean, I guess it's kind of true with both love and hate. Sometimes I love seeing something or listening to an album or even reading a book, and and it growing on me over time you know there is something very satisfying about that experience Mm -hmm. uh, that you don't just immediately like i love this i love this yeah well i I told you on sunday the park with george that was a
0: show that my feelings about it evolved which i thought was interesting where at first i was like totally not into it and then sort of got to a place that i respected it a lot. Um, yeah, but I feel like also it's been interesting to go and and research and look back at the stuff that I haven't liked because um, I've sort of gone back to it with like open ears, um, you know, before deciding. Yeah, I really want to talk about this. Right. First to be right, like, Absolutely. First to be like, did I have an an authentic reaction to this? Like, like, do I still dislike it? Um, and then trying to sort of figure out the reasons why it's just like kind of interesting, but I can't say I've yet come across something that I disliked that I listened to it again and was like, change your changed mind, change your my mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, yep. yeah, w- where it was like a revelation to me. Like I yep. told you, like with Sunday, it was like the slow evolution, yeah. but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I haven't been like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Cer- All right. Certainly not. Well, certainly note, not Annie. I didn't need to hear or Evita tomorrow for the fourteenth fucking million time to convince yeah. me. Aye.
1: Uh so tell tell us about a musical that you love. Okay, I'm gonna
0: be I'm gonna be a little more positive now. I'm I'm excited to talk about this. I think I think this will be. I think this is going to be unexpected to you. But um I think I think you're going to have fun with us. Um so first of all, I'm cheating a little bit. I'm cheating a little bit on our uh, I'm cheating on our on our on our rules here. Um because this show as far as I know has never been staged. Um, oh. Although I was thinking about it and I'm like it strikes me that it kind of could work on stage and be like really fucked up and weird and funny so who knows um this was a film that came out in 1999 um it was an animated film and you definitely know it um the film is South Park bigger
1: longer oh. and uncut oh. <laughs> Oh my God. You are totally uh, cheating. I'm cheating. You are totally cheating. I'm cheating. Because I was actually like, not next time, because hopefully next time we're yeah. going to have a guest. Yeah. But I was going to say the next time after that, yeah. that we should just talk about movie musicals that have not appeared on stage. Uh, well, so, I can still
0: come back for that theme because there's like, there's, there's plenty, there's plenty. Yeah. There's so from. many. Um,
1: but I decided, I, I, mean, I just is, decided this, to
0: go rogue, frankly. Um, it,
1: and, and, and you know, this is probably, I would say. Next to Hedvig, this is like my second favorite musical. Oh my god, of all it's
0: time. so amazing! So, for those of you who don't know it, it's a 1999 animated musical film. Uh, it's based on the Comedy Central animated television series of the same name, South Park. Um, the film was directed by series co creator Trey Parker uh, and stars the regular television cast of Parker, Matt Stone, Mary Kay Bergman, and Isaac Hayes, um, plus a slew of other people in supporting roles. Um, My personal experience with this show, I saw this film in the movie theater. Um, I Me was too. like, I, as I'm sure you were and know you were, um, I was a big fan of the comedy central show. Um, I'm sure anybody who's listening knows it, but if not, it was like 30 minute animated show, like fairly crudely and deliberately crudely drawn, um, but like very sharply written. Um, satire, it would skewer things that were, like, very topical. It was always, like, quick and, like, current. Um... Now, it's been running for how oh my long? God. Like, and is it still like, running? I need, I meant yeah. to look that up. I thought so. Yeah. Yep. So, and this is an yep. interesting question because like for you, actually thinking back, like, I don't know if I recall like going to see the movie that there were going to be like a bunch of songs in the movie that it was going to be like a musical. Like I know that they occasionally sang in the show, like when they did like Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh, like, um, but like I, Didn't think
1: I knew it was basically going to be a musical. Did you? I think I knew it was going to be a musical, but I also, I did not watch South Park like religiously before this. Okay. And, but I did for a bit after, but there was an, I'm pretty sure there was a South Park album. Yeah, which had that music like like my chocolate salty balls, yeah, 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 yeah and yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, Cartman singing "Come a Sail Away" <laughs> and like some just ridiculous. Yeah, no, they definitely shit.
0: always like incorporated music. I think maybe I was expecting there to be music, but I just didn't expect it to be as good as it as it yeah, was. Like a full yeah. fledged. Like I didn't, didn't think it was going to be like a musical, musical. Yeah. parody. Yeah. So it was like a animated essentially an animated musical film parody of Disney. Like the Disney Renaissance. Uh like and like I'll talk a little bit about that, like with the songs. Um yeah. It so yeah, there was like an expectation thing too here, which is like the show, TV show while I like totally loved it and was religious about watching it, it was pretty scrappy. Um and so I expected the film to be pretty scrappy, like sort of like a longer version of the television show. Um, and it, it was, I like, ended up being like something more to me. Um,
1: so the- well, a lot of times when they make, when they make an animated movie, yeah. I mean, sometimes even when they make a movie of a sitcom, it like, like, I think the first Sex and the City movie was kind of like this. It was just kind of like three 30-minute episodes Uh that just happened in in sequence. Yeah. yeah, You know? Yeah. And and this was definitely not that. Totally. It was a fucking full-length script.
0: Shot for the moon and like totally like... And they hit it. Hit the moon. Yeah. so I just want to talk about the music a little bit. Like, uh, like I said, there's, it's a lot, there's a lot of parody going on. Like the opening song is Mountain, uh, Mountain Town, which is like this great parody of a, a Disney opening song. It, it clearly like echoes the song Belle uh, from Beauty and the Beast. But um, so that, that sort of right off the bat, I was like, what? Oh my God, this is so amazing. But where I like totally lost my shit, like and where I was like sold was the next song. Uh, which this song happens when the kids they go see this R rated film. The kids they, and the film is featuring Canadian actors Terrence and Philip. So in this film within a film that they sing, Terrence and Philip insults each other with a little song called "Uncle Fucka."
1: So oh, it is so fucking good. Here's
0: the lyrics. To the two opening verses, which uh, which Terrence and Phillips trade off um, with each other, and it's on a melody that that sounds like the title song from Oklahoma, just like really make it fucking hilarious. Um, here's where we'll earn our little um, our uh, you know e, our, our little e our, uh, yes <laughs> our uh, strong content for our podcast. Um, so anyway, here we go. Shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucka. You're a cocksucking ass-looking Uncle Fucka. You're an uncle fucka. <laughs> yes, it's true. Nobody fucks uncles quite like you. And then the other one says, "Shut your fucking face, uncle fucka. You're the w- you're the one that fucked your uncle, uncle fucka. You don't eat or sleep or mow the lawn. You just fuck your uncle all day long." And then that transitions I... into this lengthy dance break with like full orchestra and chorus, where they proceed to fart on each other along to the melody. Shut your fucking face, uncle fucka. Uncle fucker, you're an uncle fucker, yes it's true, nobody fucks uncles quite
1: like you. Shut your fucking face, uncle fucker, you're the one that fucked your uncle, uncle fucker. You don't eat no sleep or mow the lawn, you just fuck your uncle all day long. Hmm. And and the police get involved. The police get involved in like this
0: full like, you know, heyday of Broadway, like production number. Like forty like second street yes, or something. Totally. I mean, like, it's I, just... I distinctly remember like screaming, laughing to the point that I was like falling out of my seat um in the movie theater. Um, um two things. Yeah, First yeah, of yeah,
1: all, yeah. hearing you say the <laughs> word fucka is <laughs> 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 is really funny and also I saw this I saw this in uh, Martinsburg, West Virginia. Okay. Okay. We walked in there. We were almost late. We were super stoned oh, and God. there was a there was a contest To get free refreshments. So we were all about it. We had to go down and answer a trivia question and dance in front of the audience before the fucking show started, the the movie started. And we got like, I don't know, Sour Patch Kids and a big popcorn or something. And we were on the, we watched the thing on the front row and exactly what you're talking about. We were just, I don't remember how, I don't remember laughing that much probably at anything. At anything. Yeah, probably. like
0: in in a movie theater, like, yeah, it's probably like top three just lose my shit laughing moments for sure. Um Yeah, yeah. so actually thinking about this, uh, when we were talking with Busy about Bat Boy, sort of after that episode, you asked me what musical inspired me you know, that it was impossible, that it was possible to write a musical about something like weird or different. And I had responded with Sweeney Todd, which was like definitely the correct answer. Like sort of chronologically, that was like the first thing I-, I heard of that it was like an aha moment. Like, Oh, I can write about something weird. Um But I would say like this film showed me that you could make something that was like comic and like deeply offensive um, but like if you actually succeeded in making it funny and it was well executed that you could like essentially get away with murder, which is Absolutely. like, which is totally what they did. Um, yeah. So I just, <laughs> just read lyrics from uncle fucker. Um, there's other like, Hilarious and refreshingly irreverent songs in the mix. Um, uh, I love the. Um, it's Kyle's e- mom's a bitch. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so that one they sort of like take kind of like the yo mama trope of kids knocking each other's moms but it's like to the nth degree uh, so Eric's going off on Kyle's mom and he sings to this like poking jaunty melody that's like just like titty chitty bang bang um, Here, here's some lyrics from that on Monday, she's a bitch. On Tuesday, she's a bitch. On Wednesday <laughs> through Saturday, she's a bitch. Then on Sunday, just to be different, she's a super king kamea bitch. Uh, have you ever met my mom's Kyle's mom? She's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. She's a mean old bitch and she has stupid hair. She's a bitch, 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 bitch. She's a stupid bitch. Kyle's mom's a bitch. She's just a dirty bitch. Talk to kids around the world. It might go a little bit something like this. And then we hear this chorus done and like a total absurdist fashion with a bunch of different languages and countries doing the chorus. It's, like, so fucking funny.
1: money she's a On And she's a bitch. on Sunday, just to be
0: she's a super king, come a bitch. Have you ever met my baby? Cause mom, she's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. She's a, bitch. And she she's a bitch, 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 bitch. Bitch, 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 she's stupid, bitch. Oh, on, bitch. She's bitch. bitch, just a dirty bitch around the world it might go a little bit something like this so uh brilliant um it is another one that stands out to me is um it's easy mk like i love that song uh Uh, that's a great song this one the school counselor mr Mackey, uh he's intervening after like a bit of an uproar where the parents and and the teacher are Uh, They're upset about the kids' constant swearing after seeing that, like, really offensive Terrence and Phillip movie. So Mr. Mackey, the school counselor, uh, he's teaching the class and trying to, like, cure the children of swearing. And and for me, it's kind of this playoff of almost like Maria and Sound of Music, because it, like, starts with him teaching the kids and they all join in. Uh, and everybody, of course, at the end, like sings the song "falling back" and like happy and laughing. <laughs> except the lyrics are, uh, and it well, like, seems like everything is
1: resolved totally. Right?
0: Except this, except here, you know, here is some more sample lyrics. Uh Step three with bitch, drop the T, because bick is Latin for generosity. Step four, don't say fuck anymore, because fuck is the worst word that you can say. Fuck is the worst word that you can say. We shouldn't say fuck, no, we shouldn't say fuck, fuck, no. We don't have to spend our lives shooting up in the trash, homeless on the streets giving hand jobs for cash. <laughs> Follow this plan and very soon you will say, it's easy MK. Step three.
1: Is the worst word say we, no, we no. I sure we'll it's, we'll <laughs> it's like so. That so, scene, I good. I am so happy that you're like giving giving us the um the sort of reference points because yeah. I would never have known that Chitty Chitty oh, Bang Bang. Oh, I like never yeah. I've never seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, or maybe I saw it when I was a kid. But they're all I of these like that. brilliant,
0: brilliant like. Play I mean, I know the lay, like... I
1: know the the Les Mis, the mm-hmm. you know the or, or that's really that's kind of Les Mis and West Side Story, isn't it? What the um revolution oh Uh, yeah i think it's
0: most like like Lay Miz, but yeah yeah they definitely put in some lame Miz. also like there's some other like musical uh tropes in here like the um like the character of satan who who totally gets his own i want song called up there from the depths of hell he sings this um that's like another parody of Disney. Like for me, I'm thinking it's like almost surely like Ariel and little mermaid, and yeah. little mermaid singing, like part of your world. Um, yeah. So like, there's a reason this is like, uh, besides Matt Parker and Trey, Trey, stone, there's a reason this is so good. The other like incredible, critical ingredient here. was like the fucking brilliant Mark Shaman. Um, Mark Shaman, who, like, if you look him up, like, he has the most yeah. ridiculously long and storied career in, like, every possible genre, like, cabaret, stage, television, and film. Fun fact for you, uh, he was a musical director for Bette Midler during her Wind Beneath My Wings and From a Distance Days. He actually, I think, produced her last album, too. Like, I think like he it. did, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's also recently worked, as I recall, with one of our favorites, um, writing material for Downtown Cabaret Star. Bridget Everett I say I remember one of the many times I've seen her he was like sitting at like a few tables over and I was like
1: yeah I thought you were gonna say Mandy Patinkin there for just a second oh god no
0: I'm happy to say there's no man as far as I know unless he had like one one line in the one line cameo in the movie he like didn't have uh, anything to do with this um Wait, when
1: we saw Bridget Everett, yeah, Mark Shaman was sitting there there with like Victor Garber and Nathan Lane, they had like a
0: a fucking A-list table Yeah, they had a power table over there. Yeah, well, and like the other thing that Mark Shaman obviously like people know him for is Hairspray, which he wrote with partner Scott Whitman, which was obviously like a a colossal hit. Um, So like, it's like, no, like, so it makes sense that this was as good as it was. You know, they've got these like, this like powerhouse uh uh, creative team here um so like what's the movie about i mean the twists and turns of the plot are super amusing but they're almost beside the point um but i do what i do what i do love like is the the theme of like censorship so the film like it really lampoons the motion picture association of america they actually battled the mpaa through the production process I didn't know about this. The film received an R rating only two weeks prior to its release. And what was it before? An NC-17 or something? I mean, I guess so. Or it was just like in this holding pattern where they were like fighting, fighting about it. Which that, wow. you know, as I recall, was an ongoing theme of the TV show as well. And they would do this yeah, great yeah. job of like pointing yeah. out the absurdity of some of these rating systems where it's like yeah. you could say this word, but not that word. And just how like stupid
1: and arbitrary it all is. You know what I mean? And I think it was also a little bit, I mean, I know this is pro- really, <laughs> excuse me, probably before your time, but it was also lampooning censorship in like the album, you know, like the music world, because, uh-huh. um, yeah. you know, there was a time when they had to start labeling albums, oh to, and there was a time when they had to start labeling video yes, games and you know, all no, of that I remember bullshit. all of that bullshit. Yeah. Like bullshit. Ridiculous
0: ridiculous i mean tipper
1: gore right al gore's wife was was part of that that whole shebang oh god (sighs) yeah but but successful
0: as the just say no campaign and nancy reagan (laughs) exactly exactly but
1: what was the the so the censorship was a huge plot point and theme but then ultimately it led to the potential for war right with saddam hussein <laughs> i mean i don't i there's like a huge it's so many twists because the devil had a like, relationship with, with saddam, saddam hussein. hussein
0: correct and then like the yes they were like uh there was like going to be war with the with canada and of course there was like Bec- blame canada you know was like which, was, the performed at, which uh, was performed at which yeah. was performed at the academy awards yeah. robin williams right yeah, because it was actually a yeah it was nominated for an academy award for best original song so and did ann murray
1: also appear or did she sing or did no i just no idea. it's possible we'll have to we'll have to rewind on that um because they do that that is part one lyric that and that bitch and murray too is in that song <laughs> oh, right i do love that <laughs> <laughs> That bitch and Murray too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no So no, it's so funny. Yeah. So they apparently had this big war with the MPAA before, before it came out, but they kind of had the last laugh because it was, uh, both critically and commercially successful. Um, Uh, Rita Kempley of the Washington Post called the film outrageously profane and wildly funny, writing that Parker and Stone's favorite monster is the Motion Picture Association of America, self-appointed guardians of the nation's chastity. It's all in good, dirty fun and in service of their pro-tolerance theme. Um, Stephen Holden of the New York times have also heavily praised the film regarding the film's self-justifying moral as about mass entertainment, censorship, uh, censorship and freedom of speech. Um, commercially not that i you know particularly care so much about commercially but it was produced on a 21 million dollar budget and it went on to gross 83.1 million dollars wow. worldwide making it the highest gross highest grossing r-rated animated film of all time until it was surpassed by sausage party in 2016 oh my I know. god I was like, what really the like, what the hell uh and then as we just said the song blame canada earned them a nomination for academy
1: award which is just like fabulous um and you know they had to nominate "Blame Canada" because it was the only one. Oh, I know that you like possibly could not, possibly yeah. excise from the
0: show and like not yeah, have people yeah. just like totally offended. <laughs> I mean, really, Uncle Fucker should have been. Oh nominated, my god! Uh, but... Yes, I would have definitely put Uncle Fucker.
1: or 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 the "La Viva Resist." What it, what was the name of that song? Uh, mm, was it "La Viva Resistance? Yeah, Something about "La or... Resistance," I think. "La Resistance," yeah. "La Resistance." I think, yeah,
0: I yeah. yeah. Could double check that um what else yeah so so these are the lessons i kind of learned from from south park uh bigger longer and uncut that you can write something outrageously profane um but if it's funny and also serves like with a, a bit of an overall message that people can really actually connect with it and and like weirdly respect it and take it seriously um i've i've always really liked these guys um there's something about them that's always been like a little punk to me. Like they just like, they're basically like, we don't give a fuck. We think this is funny. And like, you can either come on board or not. Um, it's always felt to me like they just kind of like do this for the right reasons. Like they didn't almost like they didn't necessarily set out to be successful and make a bunch of money. They just like wanted to make each other laugh. Um, I could be totally making this up. I don't know these people. That's just like, you know, you get a vibe from people's work and that's like the vibe I've always got from them. Um, at the same time, like, I totally recognize their aesthetic is a little different than ours. Um, I, you know, a, as evidenced by st- still waiting They're on success. that. Still, <laughs> still, still waiting on that hit. Um, I'm not sure sure we could really end up as mainstream as, as they managed to become. Like, I feel like our humor is in the same spectrum, but maybe skews a little bit darker. Um,
1: well, there's yeah. also like, there's such good satirists, oh like my you God. said. And, so good. So um, good. It's it is it's so, I mean, remember those episodes about, like, the South Park episodes about Tom Cruise and yes. um, <laughs> and uh, Scientology? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, every single, it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting because there's, like, there is something similar between them and The Simpsons in how topical they are mm-hmm. all the time yeah. and also their longevity. Yeah. But their humor is, very, it's a very, it's different, very different kind different. of yeah, humor.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of it's satire and, like, a little absurdist um yeah uh something that you said made me think oh um yeah just being as good as they are at what they do uh i i would be remiss if i didn't mention book of mormon um just because i remember watching it and yeah thinking like throughout the whole thing oh my god like they've really managed to get away with murder it's like this like delicate yeah. balancing yeah. act and they just do it so well Um, And so when that show came out um, years later, they also had a great collaborator, which was Robert Lopez. Um, but I do, when, th- when that came out, I remember being this, like, collective surprise, at least, like, like in the theater community, if you will, that it, that show, Book of Mormon, is as good as it is, um, and it came out to, like, absolute fucking raves, and I remembered, like, being not at all surprised. Um, I felt like all of the seeds, like, had already been planted in, like, this South Park movie, um, and, like, almost all the reasons that I love South Park, I could apply to probably Book of Mormon, um... I just really connected to the show a lot more because it's like I was younger and uh, right, right. And it was like the first time, yeah. Like I said, that something could become so commercially and well commercial and well respected while like also being like just downright, downright like filthy, like absolutely filthy at times.
1: <laughs> and you haven't even talked about Big Gay Owl, and I'm super. I just,
0: I just picked the the hits. I mean,
1: I'm super is a pretty big hit. I mean, there's a so many hits in oh no that, I in mean like the though. hits
0: for me like I like i sure I could talk for three hours about South Park the <laughs> bigger longer uncut it's so good it's so good like I could watch it's one it. of those yeah <laughs>
1: I know you're gonna say you could watch it again and again I could watch it again and again yeah, yeah it's me too there's not that many there's certainly not that many musicals like that and there's not that many movies like that because that
0: it's just... like like every song you're like oh my god this is fucking hilarious and like Catchy and like it's just good. It's just good.
1: I there's one Can you imagine
0: like seeing this sorry to interrupt, but can you imagine seeing this on I like want to see this on stage now? Oh,
1: I have so <laughs> desperately. I have wanted to see this on stage. I mean it, I'm sure they had to have Done like a certain amount of development to find out if it would work. But like, and, I almost
0: want to like have like kids cast like kids like saying like really horribly filthy
1: stuff. That would be amazing. Like if that they would were, be if uh, they were like ten year old. Totally,
0: like <laughs> 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 just saying this like horrible stuff like that would be
1: hilarious. <laughs> it would be so good. Mm. Um, I was gonna say I do think there is one dip in oh the show. That? What is that? What would Brian Boitana do?
0: Oh, yeah. I, yeah, it's, I feel you
1: on that. It's not like a horrible song, but I feel like because it, there's that lead up, you mm-hmm. know, they keep saying it and then the song doesn't happen. And then when the song finally happens, it's just not that yeah. satisfying.
0: I mean, it's certainly, certainly not as unexpected and satisfying as Uncle Fucker. No. Not, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm just like, I just love, like, what was that writing session where they had to sit down and be like, okay, we need something, like, super offensive that makes sense in the story. <laughs> like, the kids had to, like, sneak in and see this movie. <laughs> like, it just has to be, like, over the top, like, horrible. Like, what could that be? I know.
1: It was Uncle also um, the, uh that little segment, like, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but When I was, I think I had just turned 12. So I think we were in the sixth grade. Uh, It was my friend's birthday and his, there were like five of us that had, I think, you know, had pizza at their house Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then we were going to go to the movie, which is this, you know, the, the, I think there were four theaters at the liberal Kansas movie theater, the South, I think it was called the Southgate four. And, when we got there, um, one of the – the, the, the guy, his name was Jerry, was like, hey, what what do you guys want to see? And someone – I'm pretty sure it wasn't oh the birthday kid, but, but another kid said, porkies. <laughs> and so <laughs> Jerry, who is an adult, and with literally four or five – no, there were four – Oh, my God. There were four 12-year-olds, and then there were two – younger kids because two of his cousins were with us yeah so there was like four 12 year olds a 10 year old and like an eight year old <laughs> he bought us tickets <laughs> to, to Porky's. Porky's. he walked us into the theater and then he left
0: oh my god and
1: so on this was a friday i'm sure it was a friday or saturday night so on monday when the paper came out there was a little snippet in the Southwest Daily Times yeah. that said people had reported underage children <laughs> at Porky's <laughs> at the Southgate Four Theater. And it was me and my <laughs> oh friends. Oh, my God. So <laughs> and my mother, of course, was flipped out. Yeah. yeah. And so it also just like, I remember when I, when I watched that, I was like, oh, my God, this is like... <laughs> this is like us going <laughs> to, to see, see porkies
0: oh my god i don't know that i'm trying to remember if i've ever seen porkies i just remember i remembered like knowing of it growing up being like oh that's like a filthy comedy right with like women with their tits out that sort of situation oh,
1: lots of tits yeah. i'm pretty sure there was lots of bush too like it was a pretty wow. it was it was fairly risque for that you know i'm sure period. that that film it probably was canadian yeah, i'm sure it was canadian oh really
0: yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I was about to say. I'm sure that film probably hasn't lived up to like 2020 standards on like you know
1: gender um, equality. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. But you'd be surprised at how hmm. how like funny it actually. I remember watching it not very long really? ago, like randomly on oh, HBO how? or something. Like, I was like, it like, how was did like, you
0: like? How can you see Porky's? On it was
1: just on one of those you know channels. Really?
0: Huh. Random. Yeah. Well. I would like to ask more questions about Porky's, but
1: I feel like what else? What else do you have to say about South Park? Bigger, longer, and uncut.
0: I mean, I feel like that's enough. Yeah, like I yeah. knew, I knew that you would want to talk about
1: it and oh be excited, God. and yeah, such a fun. Uh, if you have not seen it and you are listening to this, get on that shit now especially like right now you need something you need to laugh totally like will fucking laugh your face off so um
0: are we gonna divert into hatred
1: yeah yeah and it's it, this is gonna be also fun although very very <laughs> in a very different way oh god um, but i do have a feeling that you will have a lot to say about this oh we'll see So this is this is kind of my experience of this. Uh, um, The year was 1996 and I was living in Athens, Ohio, going to grad school. So Mm -hmm. it's a little bit. um, uh, And I was surrounded by theater and artists and poverty. Athens County was and probably still is the poorest county in Ohio. I was also surrounded by a new original cast recording that popped up everywhere. It was funny. Including I I know what you're gonna say. Including when visiting my friend Scott McLean in New York. It was literally (laughs) like every fucking place I went, someone was playing this fucking cast recording. And, you know, sometimes I I, sometimes like (laughs) that sort of inundation is like the antithesis of what you of what how you want to be introduced to something, Mm -hmm. because everyone is telling you how good it is and that you have to see it. And and it was just it didn't it didn't. It didn't it didn't work for me, you know, so I just (laughs) came to despise, despise listening to it. Um, This was also, you know, when I I was going to grad school, that, that school didn't produce musicals. So my general dislike of musicals was not challenged in any way except by hearing these songs on constant repeat. And obviously way before I started actually writing musicals. So, admittedly, my introduction was deeply handicapped. As once again, when you look at what this musical is about, poverty, homelessness, gays, drag queens, punks, drugs, I should have loved it. It's political, it's raw, it's messy. So, yes, again, just timing and expectations. Um, And then, sadly, uh, as with Sweeney Todd, once again, my introduction to this show, when I first saw the entire thing, at once uh, came through the film version, which was an enormous mistake, because I had been so stubborn, even though it didn't close until 2008, and I had lived in New York by that point for nine years, I had refused to see it, (laughs) and I'm sure you know by now, the show I hate is Rent.
0: That's not where I thought you were going to end, but uh, I thought you were going to say something different at the beginning, when I figured out context- you want, me to what? Tell you, what you-, you want me to tell you what I thought you were yeah, going to say? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about, uh, the way you started painting the picture, I thought you were going to talk about Songs for a New World, <gasps> oh, because that came around, oh. around like, eh, I guess that was probably more like 98-ish, now that I think about it, because it was like, I feel like yeah. I, it was like my freshman year of college or something. Um, oh, funny, anyway. funny. But then you figured it out, right? That, you know, oh, yeah. Then I, yeah. I rapidly
1: figured it out um, and started having feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the funny thing is that, that I, this was actually pretty interesting. I didn't know. I mean, I knew, you know, of course, everybody sort of knows the the big the big points of it. That it. it um, I remember um, early on knowing that it was developed at New York Theatre Workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember learning that Jonathan Larson died basically right before it happened, but I didn't actually realize that he died the night before the off Broadway production opened. I did not know that totally crazy. Um, but this is the other part I didn't know. And I'm curious if you did in 1988 playwright, Billy Aronson, wanted to create a musical based on Puccini's opera, and Jonathan Larson began collaborating with him. Hmm. Larson suggested placing it in Greenwich Village, as well as the title, both of which Aronson kind of originally disagreed with him on. But ultimately, he convinced Aronson to let him take the concept and create the show on his own with the agreement that Aronson would share in proceeds and be credited if the musical moved to Broadway for original concept and lyrics. Oh my God. Didn't know Did that. Did you know that? No. Uh-uh. So I'm, I'm, that was like, I, I'm so curious is like when you, do you have the, the cast recording still? Do you still have the like physical not, CD? Not the physical CD. No. Oh, no. I'm so curious if it says is that. that something there. like that. Huh? I don't know. Um, and also though. he, mu- if, if that happened, he, and if that was all worked out, which it must've been, cause it was in the fucking Wikipedia page. That man made some money oh God, off of a show that he, he literally like had nothing to do with. Yeah, he was like, we should make a play about based on Labo M, and then suddenly he's like, you know, I know. I'm, had to have had to, have which, is a not very like,
0: situation. which is not like a million dollar idea. Because i no. like, then like the people that did Les Mis did the same thing for Madama Butterfly to do Miss Saigon. Like, like remaking an old thing is not like a million, e- million dollar idea. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um Plus so they're like
0: yeah bohemians it's like okay then yeah like alphabet city like exactly york, like yeah. exactly
1: so um i think i said it had it it's it had its first rent had its first stage reading at new york theater workshop in march of 1993 uh jonathan larson uh, then i think actually the um why didn't i write that down the I believe the off-Broadway production also opened at New York Theatre Workshop, and that was Mm -hmm. in 95, and Jonathan Larson died the night before that production at New York Theatre Workshop opened, and that was in 95, and that was like, um, oh, I guess, I think I had read it was like March, so then it moved to Broadway on April 29th of
0: 1996,
1: Mm -hmm. it won the Pulitzer, And the Tony for Best Musical and became one of the longest running shows on Broadway, closing on September 7th, 2008. Uh, The West End production opened in 1998. It had multiple tours, including an international and UK tour. And then the film adaptation was released in 2005 and was panned by many and loved by some. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Fair. Fair enough. I finally saw the show on stage at an off-Broadway production at New World Stages in 2011, and even though it featured Adam Chandler Barrett and Annalee Ashford, both of whom I liked a lot, and debuted the talents of MJ Rodriguez, who currently appears on Pose, and he was also fantastic. You
0: saw MJ in that? Yeah. Oh, wow. It
1: was just too late for me. You know, the show felt exactly as I had anticipated it was going to. Again, I, we talked about that 12 monkey syndrome for me, which is that case of expectations and a little dose of Breaking Bad, which was that um, it, it's kind of Breaking Bad slash uh, what's the Jason Bateman comedy? Um, uh, I'm not sure. Huh? Shoot. With Michael Sarah and Jason Bateman. and oh, Arrested well, Development. Yeah, Arrested Development. And the, both of those shows, everyone was telling me that I had mm. to watch, you know, and, and I, I Fortunately, I actually ended up loving both of those shows, but this was not it was that was this was not one of them. It was I thought it was just clunky and it felt dated and the production didn't gel uh, or change my mind about the show as a whole. However, I cannot in any part of my imagination deny that there are not some brilliant, brilliant songs. Um, I love one song, Glory, for example. I like the lyric a lot. I think Adam Pascal is not my jam. I don't like his voice. I listened to this all day today also along with American Idiot. And I was just like, God, I just, I love a guy who has a rock voice, but I just didn't, I just don't like his voice. And, and so that was a, obviously a problem. One song, Glory, one song, before
0: I go, glory, one song to leave behind, find one song, one last
1: refrain, glory from the pretty boyfront man, who wasted opportunity, one... other known songs light like my candle uh tango marine which is the first song that really makes me want to slice my wrists open <laughs> um another day which there are beautiful things about that santa fe which is the second song that makes me want to stab my eardrums with an ice pick <laughs> i'll cover you over the moon is the third song that makes me want to um shoot myself in the head um la vibo m is a, a it's a great number it's such a great number. Um, And I think they filmed the – did they film the movie or am I just – because the Life Cafe was a place in the East Village that I went when I first came to New York and then when I first lived in New York, which then subsequently closed. It was on Avenue B and 10th Street. Did you ever go there? Mm, I don't think so. So I think that either that was where that scene was supposed to happen or it's possible that in the movie – they actually filmed it there before it closed. I'm not sure but Oh wait, that. I do know what you're talking about. But yeah, but yeah. I don't know if
0: it was, it was like
1: that exact location or not. But I do remember okay. when
0: I first moved to New York. Yeah.
1: Like mm-hmm. that was the place yeah. that he went and modeled yes. that that moment after, which uh-huh. I thought was, which uh-huh. again, like just, I, I was also living like two blocks away from there, which was, um, which was pretty cool. Obviously seasons of love. You can't argue with that song as cheesy as it is, as overplayed as it is. It's almost worth the entire show being such a disappointment. It's such a beautiful song. Um, it, it, yeah. So, uh, take me or leave me. And without you, I love that song it's a great love song. It. it's brilliant it's simple it's it's so beautiful it's such a beautiful song so without you the ground falls the rain falls the grass grows without you The flowers bloom. Um, This is this is interesting. I was starting to think about like why 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 does the show not sit with me? And and I don't actually know if this is a complete thought. So I I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. But it is a political show. But for some reason, it feels like it's also it's so personal to each of the character stories and for the most part most of the songs are so personal and almost mm-hmm. a um you know relationship oriented songs like talking about hopes and dreams and loves and fears rather than like so for me when i finally saw the the when i saw the movie and then when i saw which of course the movie tries to fix some of this i think but when i saw the stage production it felt like it just failed to connect to the larger societal sort of movement and what was happening, and and I and I found that same thing when I because I watched um, some of the Fox. Um, what are those things called when they do the live? Just like the live yeah. musical telecast yeah. or whatever they did, oh, rent, yeah, they, did yeah, they did rent. Oh, yeah, they did oh, rent live. Oh, rent live. That's what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I, I, think I, made,
0: I think I literally made it through like two songs of that. I was like, yeah, no, I'm out. I can't do this.
1: Um, yeah, and so I feel like that's part of why. And and it's interesting because um, sure, like the tech, some of the technology is dated, obviously the death sentence that was HIV and treatments for the virus, like AZT are uh, completely different, but Mm -hmm. even that I don't feel like is necessarily why it feels so weird. It just, like I said, fails to convey a larger historical place for me. Um, well, I mean, it
0: maybe is a push and pull between its source material because La Boheme, I mean, it's like a, it's a, you know, melodramatic opera by Puccini and it's, you know, about bohemians and it's very much about the interpersonal, you know, the interpersonal. It's like, a, it's, you know, it's a tragic opera. Um, so, yeah, so may- may- is, maybe you're just, th- you know, you're feeling that more was trying to be injected and in rent maybe and. And yeah, then. and actually,
1: I saw. I've only seen three operas, maybe I think, and all of them have. Well, I've only seen three operas at the Met, mm-hmm. and the first one was La Bohème. I usually tell um, people, for I usually suggest that be one of people's first operas, but it was it was exciting. I saw it with with Amy. She brought me as yeah. her date, and I remember like we were reading, you know, reading the the, the subtitles. Yeah. And I was like, I aren't this isn't the thing about the Met? Aren't they supposed to have like, like hundreds of people on stage? <laughs> well then act two happens. And, and, <laughs> and literally like, she's like, she's like, Oh, Oh, some, I think this is the end of act one. And then like the curtain raises yeah. and she's like, <gasps> it's the hundreds of people. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Act two is like gasp worthy. <laughs> it really like was animals I mean, on stage. There's like a whole, like an entire street scene. Like, you know, and it's, the whole, like, uh, yeah, the whole cafe is just like a part of the stage. Like it's like super over the top and like a very satisfying grand opera. Very satisfying. Yeah. Oh my God. I, yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Not to, not um, to divert, but, but yeah, I was, I was just saying, I think, you know, that, that really, is the core um so so maybe you just feel like like transferring it to a different time and place and and trying to inject some more social commentary wasn't as successful
1: as you wished if i'm gonna put words in your mouth yeah yeah i think that's (laughs) accurate so that's all I really have to say. I, I do have several fun facts oh. which I uh, got from IMDb. Can I mostly. can I
0: d- can I let you do that, or can I disagree with you first? No, you can
1: disagree first. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. these should be like fun things. That okay. you say at the Okay.
0: Because like I get why you would not have liked seeing this off Broadway in 2011. Like you waited too long. I to did. To see this show. Um, and did you see it? Did you see that production? What the off Broadway? Yeah. Well, no, 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 I've okay. only seen it. I don't even think I ever saw it in New York, to be honest. This was like a very formative musical for me because I was in high school. It came out, and it was like you know there was just like a lot of queer people in right. the musicals. Yes. and I was I, in which I totally get that high school closeted in Indiana, and between like loving the music and like having these like really like vibrant queer characters living in New York, a city that I, you know, wanted to move to of like, it was a no brainer that I was like obsessed with this musical. I mean, um, and then, like, of course, and that was like when it was very much of the moment, where it was like almost yes. like the hair of its time. Yes. Like every single yes. person I knew knew like every fucking song, and every was, like, fucking. And song. Like, it is like a young musical, so I was into it when I was like, you know, in high school and college, and like the people in the show are like young and yeah, they're like, they're, like naive like and, and stupid and, yeah. and like so like for me, it's like a very just young musical. And I was like super obsessed with it in college, um, to the point that I finally had an opportunity to see it because a touring production was coming through Chicago. So a couple of friends, um, of mine, we like took a car, drove up to Chicago in like the absolute dead of winter. Like, I think we literally just like on a, on like a weekend, you know, it was like a three hour drive from our college in the middle of nowhere. So we drove up there, like stayed in one of the friends like parents house. And then we like, cause we were like broke ass college kids. We got up at like the absolute crack of dawn to get like rush tickets. Cause it was like, you know, first come first serve type situation. So we didn't even, this is how obsessed we were with rent. We didn't even have have guaranteed tickets. tickets. We fucking drove three hours to Chicago for like the possibility of getting tickets. And it was, I'm not exaggerating, dead of winter in Chicago. And you know how fucking cold it is. And we waited. I do know. We waited outside for literally like hours, like six, six, easily six to eight hours like waited outside and we got the tickets and so you like so but being obsessed with the show for like three years and then having this opportunity of seeing it like in the front row basically like i was like orbiting venus i was like in such like a state of like fucking like nirvana seeing this show um yeah and then for me like i feel like I feel like then this show was like the opposite trajectory of like me with Sunday in the Park. That like as time has progressed, it's kind of like slowly uh, taken less of a less of a place of esteem in my mind. I mean, I still like you said, like I still love a lot of the songs and everything. I just yeah, I don't, I don't think it's it's age. I don't think it, 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 the show has aged as well. And then I like i'm just older and like i said i think a lot of the themes and, the, and like like fuck i'm not paying rent you know as like a 41 year old i'm like well why aren't you paying rent you know there's like I've been a million think pieces written about how they're like kind of like little twats you know? right right <laughs> so i don't know it's funny so uh, i think i think a decent number of people have complicated relationships with the show rent um I, I still, it's. I still have like a fondness in my heart for it. Um,
1: I totally and, understand that.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, and the, the the movie. I don't feel like there's there's much, too much to say
1: about. I mean, it was. The movie was directed by Christopher Columbus, what? who who originally his first. This is fascinating. His first film as a director was Adventures in Babysitting. Which was also Anthony Rapp's first film. I I love that. I
0: love that. Did you know that? Did you know that was Anthony Rapp? Uh, Oh, yes. I totally knew that was Anthony Rapp. I was obsessed with that movie. Saw it multiple times in the movie. I loved
1: Adventures in Babysitting. But then he also directed Home Alone and the first two Harry Potter films. Oh, my God. And you're like, what the fuck is that guy doing directing Rent? Like, that's the first question. Which. That doesn't make any sense. Which, this is the next fun fact, producer... Robert De Niro was a producer, which I didn't realize or remember, and he tried to persuade his longtime friend Martin Scorsese to direct, but the legendary filmmaker was unhappy with the drafts of the screenplay and ultimately departed the project. Spike Lee was for a long time attached to direct, um, and... Mm. Other rumored directors were Sam Mendes, Rob Marshall, and Boz Lerman. I mean, I can't imagine that even as obnoxious as I find Boz Lerman, that oh the production God. would not have been at least more interesting than Chris Columbus. Well, it would have been It would have so, been like a festival of distractions. Well, that's true. that's true. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Um uh, this is this is a this is a complete off thing, but Jennifer Hudson auditioned for the role of Joanne, but lost out to Tracy Tom's. Yeah. She then was cast as Effie White in Dreamgirls, for which she won an Oscar. So that was probably I, I a good think, choice I for her. I think she did all right. Um, Daphne Rubin Vega and. Freddie Walker Brown, the original Broadway Mimi and Joanne, are the only two lead cast members that didn't reprise their roles for this film. By the time the film went into production, nearly 10 years after its first performance, Walker, by her own admission, was too old to play Joanne, which all of them should have had that own admission.
0: (laughs) Ruben Vega was pregnant at the time
1: of filming and was also nearly 15 years older than the 19-year-old Mimi. So, yeah. yeah, I think that, that was, was so part of the problem. It, it, was, s- so the, it like, was so distracting. It was so distracting. Some of the
0: original cast, but not all of them. And there's wild age caps, And, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. It was as weird to me. More. It was as sorry. It was as weird to me as like the late Miz Casting, where they're like, "We're gonna oh. cast for the movie. We're gonna cast some stage actors that can sing, but then some movie actors that literally can't carry a tune." Like yeah. the
1: juxtaposition of the. T- it was just jarring. It's like it pick was a jarring. Lane. Like do and, one or exactly, the other. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, this is my last fun fact. Um, the characters of Allie, Gordon, Pam, and Sue. In the life support meeting are named after writer Jonathan Larson's friends who died of AIDS. The real yeah. ally was Alison Gertz, a young woman who contracted HIV in the early 1980s and became became well-known later in the decade as an AIDS activist and is the subject of Something to Live For, the Alison Gertz story, which was made in 1992, starring Molly Ringwald. Oh, my God. Which I thought was just like a fascinating little
0: bizarre fun fact, yeah. Wasn't Molly Ringwald in—am I making this up? Wasn't she in Tick, Tick, Boom? When another Jonathan Larson
1: work that they did, you know, that I saw like at the Jane Suit Theater, which we talked about. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that that's one of the interesting things to me is um, like actually early on in the shutdown, Mm -hmm. um, 54 Below aired a Jonathan Larson concert that they had done with Andy Mientis. And, you know, I love Andy Mientis. So I was like, I'm going to watch this shit. And it was so. I mean, he was great, obviously, but it was so. Like the material is, it's kind of, it's very much like Rent. Like all of the songs they were singing, there were like three or four that were like really strong songs, yeah. and the rest yeah. of them were just like, "Why are you doing this?" Yeah, and and I, I mean, it's weird as writers. It actually made me feel like, hmm, like it was interesting, hmm. um, but yeah I, I I mean obviously the story is' incredibly tragic, and um it's it's so tragic that he did not get to experience Com- the success like what of it, his career what it, <laughs> what it became and Ugh. like the only other thing
0: that I'm gonna say in defense of it and that like you really should have seen it when it was of its of its time was like i I feel like the material that was like aids centric like I feel like it was very. Like, the intention, like, I feel like it was very genuine. Um Like, I, you know, I feel like he, like, you know, like, had friends, like you just said, who yeah, passed yeah. away. And I feel like it was, like, it wasn't pandering. I feel like there really was, like, a lot of heart to it. And yes, there's, like, yes. there's, like, just some, like, really great, like, nuggets, if you will, in the show. Like, the whole no day but today. Like, I mean, people yeah. have run with that. But, like, the lyric, there's only us, there's only this forget regret or life is yours to miss no other path no other way no day but today I mean It's like relevant now. I mean, yep. it's
1: like, oh my god, like
0: it's, uh yeah. So I mean, there, so there is like some core material in here that still like does manage to resonate with me. Absolutely, like I, said, I do think there's like this great heart and spirit to the show, and obviously, like the like his tragic legacy and everything. But but putting all of that aside, I am totally like, oh my God, this hasn't, the show hasn't aged well and there's some clunkiness to it and like, and everything else we said. So yeah, I'm like of very two minds about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, when I listened, it was, it was an interesting day to listen to American Idiot start off the day <laughs> with American Idiot and then end with Rent. And I found myself emotional and very, you know, very mm-hmm. uh, several times. So I, I, I can, I can, I can appreciate why this was important You're to so listening many people, to Adam Pascal. Except for Who that. One
0: so glory. Ugh.
1: Ugh. Speaking of
0: like vocal affectations, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I wish him well. I wish him well. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I didn't. I, I I skirted through this whole conversation without trashing Adina. That was like my. first... I know. Tr- I'm impressed. I, uh, but right here at the end, that was my first like experience of her, and she comes out and scream, like screams that like exhausting performance art song, Ugh. you know, over the moon. I mean, like even back in the day, I was like, okay, I don't like this. Like I don't like this. It's so annoying. Like everything about that song is annoying. She said, "Only thing to do is jump over the moon." They've closed everything real down, like barns and troughs and performance spaces, and replaced it all with lies and rules and virtual life. life, life. And then it, like, is very, then it is very. It is like really her annoying. performance on top of the annoying song, like just like really, really like steals the deal. Over the moon. Ugh. Awful. Awful,
1: awful, 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 awful. Um. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On that note, friends, friends, uh, <laughs> wherever you are, I hope you're safe and healthy and fighting the good fight. And we'll be back to talk about other stuff. We'll probably, other stuff. And we'll probably have a special guest. Oh yeah, we're gonna have a special guest again soon. Yeah. We're well, actually. Yeah, we're definitely going to have a special guest. Yeah. By the time you hear this, there's already going to be another special yeah. guest, and then there'll be another one coming. We're just
0: cranking so, them out for the three of you listening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> enjoy, um, and uh, we'll be back. Ciao. No day
0: but Peace. today. <laughs> no day but today. <laughs> oh, God. Bye.